like a shark yeah. fin. Deep is blue as my hat is like a shark uh. fin. Deep is blue as my hat is like a shark uh. fin. Yeah, as blue as my hat is like a shark uh. fin. Deep is blue as my hat is like a shark fin. Deep is blue as my hat is like a shark fin. Deep is blue as my hat is like a shark fin. We, we came, we saw, we've arrived, and we are live. This is the shark attack. I am yours truly, Sean Williams. With me, of course, is the J to my silent Bob, Mr. J.P. Mayer. J.P., what's going on? Now, wouldn't I be silent Bob since I'm the fat one and you're the skinny one? Yeah, but, uh, true, but I don't know. I can somehow, I can somehow picture you saying snooch to the nooch more than I would. I can absolutely say snooch to the nooch. So, by the way, did you get any donations? Because I, I need to sing to, for my for the audience. I haven't had the chance to check yet, so keep those vocal cords warmed up. <laughs> yes, in case y'all didn't read, um, you can donate to us, well, to Sean. But any donations he gets, I sing. I think that's a fair trade-off. I would say so, but first and foremost... Well, let's talk about this one, because frankly, people are still moaning and groaning about it, and even throwing the, around the word boycott over it, and that is the senile and out-of-touch old a-hole that, if he were any more out-of-touch with reality, he'd be the president, Vince McMahon, replaced, allegedly, Becky Lynch in the main event at WrestleMania, and has replaced her with Charlotte Flair. Now... <laughs> I've said how Becky Lynch is so red hot, she might as well be nuclear. In terms of how, how much heat Charlotte Flair has been getting this, this past week since Monday, she's an atomic bomb. But... Yes. Now, she, she's got a shit ton of heat. Yeah, now, at first, I was against this. But, after thinking about it, and believe me, I would rather see Becky Lynch in a one-on-one -on -one match if she's main eventing WrestleMania, but in a sense, in a sense, after thinking about it, it makes the most logical sense. Now, to clarify for everybody, first off, we're give or take two months at tops from WrestleMania. Do you seriously think they are going to keep the most over girl in on the women's roster and? probably on the roster in general, in Becky Lynch, out of that match? What the yeah. hell are you smoking? That good, good. Because, let me, let me clarify this to you. There's a reason why you're throwing in Charlotte Flair into this match. She can deliver. Whether you like her or hate her, she can deliver a good match. Becky Lynch can deliver, can deliver a good match. But, if there's one weakness, Ronda Rousey still hasn't exactly gotten out of her system. She's not used to working lengthy matches, and she's not exactly good at carrying her own weight in, the, in a match, much less carrying her weight and somebody else's with her in the match. And the last thing you want is for this match to bomb. And let me, here's another point to make that also what this match does when it ends up being a triple threat, and it will. This solidifies the women are going to close WrestleMania. Without question, they're going to close it. But, while it's a different match, the end game remains the same. WrestleMania has always been about making stars. And, you know what? This is going to be about making Becky Lynch into superstardom. She's ho this is WrestleMania three. She's Hulk Hogan. Charlotte and Ronda are by are basically Andre the Giant. And why do I use that analogy? Because while Hogan was a star, he didn't truly achieve superstardom until WrestleMania three, when he slammed Andre in the middle of that ring and defeated Andre, handing him his first loss in 15 years. That was what gave Hogan his true superstardom. That's when he truly ascended. And this WrestleMania will be when the man, the last kicker, will rise to the top and truly achieve superstardom that 
is well-deserved and rightfully hers. JP, sound off. Now, it's like I've said from since Monday. Every story has chapters. The book of Becky Lynch, chapter one, winning the women's title from Charlotte Flair at Hell in a Cell. Chapter two, getting her face, getting her nose broken by Nia Jax missing the Spire series. Now, I just want to put this out there. Had Nia Jax not broken Charlotte's nose, it would be one-on-one Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey at Mania. And Becky would be wrestling 70 for the SmackDown Women's title. So truthfully, that was kind of a... <laughs> I hate to give props on Nia Jax about anything like that, but that that accident might have been a blessing in disguise. Absolutely. Now, from what I'm hearing, there's going to be a match at Fastlane next month. Ronda versus... Not Ronda. Um, Becky versus Charlotte. I guarantee you that's where she gets in. And here's the other thing to consider. Is that Triple H and Stephanie, they were going to put Becky in the match. She did the apology. Nope. No strings. No changing their mind. They were actually going to put her in. It was the old bastard that threw Charlotte in and said Becky's out. Now, I want you to... I want you to go back in the in the time machine for a little bit to WrestleMania 20. What was the original main event for that pay-per-view? WrestleMania 20. Now, let's... The original main event was supposed to be Triple H defending the World Heavyweight Championship against Chris Benoit. And then we threw in Shawn Michaels. You threw in Shawn Michaels. Now, nowadays you would think they threw Shawn Michaels in to take the pinfallers, the submission. But no, he... A one-on-one match at WrestleMania between Triple H and Chris Benoit would not have sold. That's when you put Shawn Michaels in there. True, because at that time, while Chris Benoit was, was on the rise and he was good, in terms of the star, the drawing and the star power... He hadn't achieved that yet. Exactly. You had, going into that match, Triple H, current world champion, Shawn Michaels, former champion, and Chris Benoit, who held the title for one day in WCW before relinquishing it and going and coming to the WWE. And by my understanding, from what I've listened on podcasts, is that even when they decide, when WCW decided to give him the belt, he didn't want it. Exactly. What I'm, what I'm getting at is that match sold. Now, granted, a Becky versus Charlotte, one, a Becky versus Ronda one-on-one match, I think would have sold. However, you are putting, in my opinion, you are putting Charlotte in there to take this armor. She's going to be the one to tap out to Becky, which means you're going to have a new champion in Becky Lynch. You're going to keep Ronda strong. Especially considering we don't know whether Ronda's going to take time off or not. Exactly, and if she does choose to take time off, she's in her right. But you know what? A lot of people bashed her when she first came, saying, oh, she wasn't going to be a full-timer. Like, hell, she wasn't. She wrestled house shows. She wrestled... On Raw, she wrestled on pay-per-view. She did TV appearances. Like for somebody coming from a, from the UFC, I think she made the transition pretty damn well. Well, you want to know the difference between Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar? Ronda shows up. Well, this is very true. She actually gives a damn about the business and wanting it to succeed, while Brock is just some overgrown schmuck happy to get a paycheck. Thanks for nothing, Rocky Five. And yeah, yeah, I'm still calling him that. Yeah, Tommy. Tommy Gunn. Yeah, but, um... Yeah, I, you know, after careful thinking about it, and I was, I was fuming on Monday at first, I'm okay with this. Because like I said, 
The match is going to be different, but the end game is going to be the same. And I, and I know that there are some people that are doubting it, thinking that Charlotte will win the belt or that Ronda will retain. There's no story behind Ronda retaining. There's no story behind Charlotte winning. The biggest story you have would be Becky Lynch getting into that match and winning the belt and standing tall at the end of the night. Yeah, because I guarantee you this, as somebody who will be at WrestleMania, I, I will be one of 75, 80,000 people cheering my ass off for that. And to those that think, well, even though she's over, what if WWE decides to change their mind and screw her over? WWE is not this dumb. They're dumb. Oh, they're dumb. I'm just saying they're not this dumb to where they'd ignore something like that. Oh, yeah. They've had some near misses, a la Daniel Bryan, although some have argued this was the plan all along, that that was the plan all along with getting him into WrestleMania because it added the drama, which, by, by some stretch, yeah, that's true. But they, I'm just saying that they know how, how much of a draw Becky Lynch is. They know how much that, how big she is right now. And truthfully, if you have Ronda retain and, or Charlotte win the belt, do you really want to piss that crowd off? Now, it's funny that you brought up Daniel Bryan going into WrestleMania 30. Daniel Bryan at that time was so beyond hot. Like, the crowd going, yes, 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 yeah, all, all that fun stuff. And you saw going into Mania how the crowd erupted for him. When he put when he put Batista in a little in a little bell block, and he tapped that place exploded. You could almost see the the whole the screen shaking because that place was just going ballistic. Oh, absolutely. But again, that's my point: is that the WWE is not oblivious to how over Becky Lynch is. And they also recognize they've never had a woman this over as she is. They tried to turn her heel last year at SummerSlam. It didn't work. Because you were not going to turn this crowd against Becky. And you know why they love this, this girl? Respect. They respect and admire how far she's come. They admire and respect how she's fought her way, clawed her way, and just worked her ass off to get to this point. This girl eats, breathes, and sleeps this business. People said, oh, what about the accent? She can't cut a promo. (laughs) She's been cutting some damn good ones to me. Oh, God, yes. And as, as much as Charlotte Flair may have the athleticism, as much as she can put on good matches, here's her one weakness. As much as she may have her dad's name and her dad and her dad's commitment to the business, she ain't the talker her dad is. No. Even after all this time, her promos to me are still dreadful. Well, not terribly dreadful. She's not Nia Jax bad. No. But for somebody of her caliber, in ter- when it comes to talking on the microphone, she stinks. Her dad, hands down, was the best talker WCW ever had. Nobody came close. And also, she is too thin-skinned when, with the crowd getting to her. Her dad was so thick-skinned that he might as well have been bulletproof. Because any time the crowd gave him heat, he didn't care. He kept going. She keeps letting the crowd get to her, and that's a problem. But, again, people, let's not kid ourselves here. I guarantee you, 
Becky Lynch is going to be the one standing tall when WrestleMania ends, and she's going to be the one holding that belt as the new champion. And Absolutely. So let, let's not kid ourselves that WWE has lost sight of that. This is Becky Lynch we're talking about, not Braun Strowman. Now, with that being said, JP, before we get into anything else, it's that time again where we cross the line. Bitch, what line? And my cross-the-line moment of the night has nothing to do with WrestleMania, nothing to do with Elimination Chamber. It doesn't even have anything to do with WWE, NXT, Ring of Honor, or TNA. We have a new IWGP heavyweight champion of the world, and his name is the Switchblade, Jay Motherfreakin' White. Jay White defeated Tanahashi to win the IWGP title this past week, and it surprised a lot of people because while they suspected this for Jay White, nobody expected it this soon. And to me, it's just a testament to the mad potential that that there is in Jay White. And to me... JP, I don't, I don't know about you. For me, when what caught my attention with this guy, how he became known to me, was when Kenny Omega offered him a spot in the Bullet Club. You saw Jay White put on the Bullet Club shirt, did the two sweet, and then he lays out Kenny Omega with the Blade Runner. So JP, what do you make of this this move for Jay White? I just want to put it out there: Jay White is only twenty six years old. Like, he debuted, um, February 19th will be his six-year anniversary in wrestling. That's impressive, to to have done this much, and he's holding one of the most coveted belts in the world, and you know how how New Japan is, and Japan itself is, with their pro wrestling. So to hold that belt is a huge honor. Oh, God, yes. Like, I'm trying to... There haven't been many foreign-born IWGP champions. Brock Lesnar's won. uh, Big Van Vader's won. Stan Hansen's won. AJ Styles held it. AJ... And they, um, Scott Norton, they said Jay White was the youngest foreign-born champion. Uh, And it's well-deserved, but you know, I can't help but wonder that how for so many guys who, they try it in the local territories and promotions and doesn't really pan out for them, what is it about New Japan that it just seem, it seems like most wrestlers seem to come alive. Or for wrestlers that go there and who had hard luck, it seems like it rejuvenates them. Look what it's done to a guy like AJ Styles, or even Chris Jericho, even. What about Juice Robinson? Or, or Juice Robinson. So, again, what is it about New Japan that seems to have this effect? Because they give, a sh- they give more of a shit about wrestling than they do than they do the, the their actrics. It's not so much about the pyro or the ratings. It's about, to for New Japan, it's about the craft. It's about the art. Yeah. Now, I'm actually looking at the IWGP Heavyweight Championship Wikipedia page, and I'm coming to notice on, like, New Japan doesn't have that many, at least not to my knowledge, they don't do that many shows. Um... The champion before Kenny Omega, Kazuka Okada, I can never pronounce his name right, held the title for 720 days. That is two years and ten days. Do you know how many times he defended that title? How many? Twelve. Jeez. That makes Brock Lesnar look good. Yeah, but I guarantee you he treats the, he act, he defends it look. He defends it better than... I mean, he's, he shows up. He's not showing up later, nothing like that. He legit defended it once every 60 days. Kenny Omega held the title for 209 days. 
three defenses. Like, and Tanahashi only held the belt for 38 days. That is the shortest reign. Um, I'm going through. Alright, Kenzuki Sasaki in 2004 held the belt for 16 days. That seems to be the low man on the totem pole right now. Well, like there's a twenty, there's a twenty-seven, a twenty-two, a twenty-nine, a thirty-one, a nineteen. Tazu, uh, Tatsumi Fujinami. Well, the way I was gonna say also though that I think that one other thing to consider is that even if the champ doesn't defend the belt. The fact that I'm sure they still have like appearances and vignettes and stuff for with the champ displaying the belt. In other words, the champ still has a presence, unlike Brock Lesnar. Yeah, absolutely. And going into the summer, you have um, you have the G, the G1, which the champion competes in. Right. Um, but yeah, like, you, you get, like, meaningful defenses, and it's not like these five-minute matches, like, you see, that you see in WWE. Yeah, there's no squash matches in New Japan with the championship matches. You see full-on battles take place. You see these guys go to war. Absolutely. But bottom line is mad congratulations to the Switchblade himself, Jay White. 26 years old, plenty left in him, plenty to discover, and looking forward to seeing what what the future holds. But looking at him, it's definitely a bright future for the Switchblade. And that, people, is crossing the line. All right, with that being said, people, going to take a quick break right after this message from a good friend of mine. So, people, don't go anywhere. This is Brian H. Waters, co-host of The Wrestling Realm and the host of Break It Down with Brian H. You're listening to The Shark Attack with Sean Williams. Of course, that was my good... Thank you, people. We're back. And, of course, that was my good friend, Brian H. Waters. Make sure you check out Break It Down on Anchor, Podbean, Spotify... Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts. And, of course, check out him and my another good friend of mine, Dwayne Allen, on the Wrestling Realm on YouTube. But moving on from another one topic to another, we go from the good to the bad where we ask the question, who writes this crap? Who's in charge over there? This is aggravating me now. What, I can't count on you people? All right, so with who writes this crap, gonna say this i mean as much as we talked about what happened with the women's match at wrestle heading into wrestlemania raw was boring as hell this past week with the exceptions of anything with becky lynch but also with the uh revival finally winning the tag titles mad props to uh dash and dawson for that one but gotta tell you in terms of the road to wrestlemania this one, this Raw felt like a bit of a pothole, JP. Like one of those big, giant sinkholes. Yeah, now, let me let me explain a few reasons why I was so bored by Raw, with the exceptions I made. First off, can Braun Strowman just kill Baron Corbin and get it over with already? I'm just not invested in that in that rivalry at all. It's like, I feel like even I'm starting to cool to cool off of Braun Strowman. And I don't, yes. I wish that wasn't the case, but I just feel like that, man. But, you know, at, the other problem I had, and I was going to save this for another topic, but I'll go ahead and discuss this, is that, is uh, Seth Rollins. Look, well, look, I liked what he said about in his exchange with Paul Heyman, but I need more than just an an exchange of words between the two. Give me something like Seth Rollins, like he knows it's a, he feels like it's a suicide mission, 
but that he's re- that he's willing to head into WrestleMania and take that belt from Brock Lesnar or die trying. Let's see some more drama that builds up to it. I mean, let's see him like training like there's no tomorrow. Like he like he is training the hardest he's ever trained before and looking to give Brock Lesnar everything that he has. I mean, give us something different. Well, to be fair, we don't see any training montages from uh, Brock Lesnar. All he does is sit on the couch and home sable. True. but And the other thing also was that one for the last several months we've seen Dean Ambrose being this melancholy God-knows-what, and then all of a sudden he comes out and says to, to Seth Rollins, I only got one thing to say to you. Slay the beast. Yeah, I didn't get that one. I don't get that. I don't get having... I don't get having, um... I don't get why they had to have, um... Why they had to have EC3 end up... Or lose that match. I just don't get it at all. Marka. But, um... Not exactly the type of debut you were... Or not not exactly the type of thing I was expecting for EC3, though. They don't know what they're doing with any of the NXT guys yet. And where is Lars Sullivan? Like, is he... Like... Has he come back yet, or no? I don't think he's come back yet. I think... I've, I heard anxiety attack, and I'm hearing depression for that guy now. It's... I don't know what they're going to do with him. I don't know what's going to happen for him right now. Yeah, like... But, you know, I mean... While Raw was not great in terms of building towards WrestleMania... SmackDown was at least better. Which is never that hard. And I gotta tell you... I was... I, I really dug that gauntlet match. And I'll say this about Kofi Kingston. I'm not expecting him to walk out of the out of Elimination Chamber with the belt. But I'm digging him getting into that match. You see, me, I got this. I just have this gut feeling that he's gonna win. Call me crazy. You're crazy. I'll take it. But look, don't get me wrong. I would love nothing more than if Kofi Kingston held the belt. But, I mean, it just amazes me how you it's the same company. It's not like two different companies, and yet you're able to deliver a better show building to WrestleMania on SmackDown than you can on Raw. And, you know, the comparison, three-hour show versus two-hour show? Yeah, you have more of a time frame with those three hours, and all you do is just waste everybody's time. Well, there's that old expression, showing quality over quantity. Yep, and... That's basically what what this is. You have a quantity show versus a quality show. Absolutely. But in terms of while SmackDown may be making all the right moves, Raw's making all the wrong moves, for WWE, all I can say is in terms of building to WrestleMania, you've got some serious work to do. And that, people, is... That's for sure. That's why we ask who writes this crap. Now, set aside WWE stuff, one one thing that also caught my eye this past week is the villain, Marty Skrull, will be challenging Nick Aldis, a.k.a. Magnus, for the NWA World Heavyweight title. Now, we've seen a lot happen for the villain as of late, including the formation of, of villain enterprises in Ring of Honor with Brody King and PCO. Who, which, by the way, PCO had one hell of a match against Mark Briscoe. I heard. 
but um, the question I wanted to bring up was with talking about this, well, kind of a multi-part thing is, will the villains score the gold and take it, take the NWA title from Nick from Nick Aldis, and even if he, even if it's not that, is this the year that Marty Skrull takes it to the next level? I say yes, but I don't think he wins the 10 pounds of gold. I think he wins the Ring of Honor world title. Yeah, I think of the two, I see him, I see the Ring of Honor title in his future more than I do the the NWA world title. But I definitely think he will catch everybody's attention in that match with Nick Aldis. Oh, yeah, and give them... 30 minutes. Give them half an hour. Shit, give them an hour. My good buddy Dwayne Allen, he he, um, he, he said that he thinks Marty Skrull is the breakout star in 2019. I would agree to that. Setting aside anybody from WWE or NXT, I would say yes. You get no arguments out of me on that one. I mean, the guy, the guy can go in the ring, the guy can talk. There's a uniqueness with his gimmick. I mean, I I would definitely say this is, I think, 2019 is going to be the year we see a villain rising. Yeah, and that's going to make it very difficult at the end of the year when his contract comes up. Yeah. And, of course, um, the Ring of Honor anniversary show, Matt Taven the self-professed real champion, will be challenging the actual Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, Jay Lethal. Why don't we ask Matt Taven how his car is? <laughs> Good point. Not his car. I'm playing, I'm multitasking here. I'm looking at a car. But ask Matt Taven how his belt is after Jay Lethal destroyed that shit. Yep. You know... I got, look, I like Matt Taven. I got nothing against him. Do I think this is going to be his time or that he's going to be the one that dethrones Jay Lethal? I'm saying no. Nope. Absolutely not. The only guy that I see as that is going to be the one that does it is going to be, that. it, it has to be Marty Skrull. Yeah, it's going to be Marty. I mean, he's the only person I see doing it. But um, the other one, other topic I wanted to talk about, um, and I brought this up on Brian on Break It Down when I submitted my question, and that was about um, what guy, and you know, I'll I'll just go ahead and say both: what single wrestler and what team. If if you got if you have both, do you see probably finishing their wrestling career? without ever going to the WWE? Uh, Young Bucks. You see, I that's a solid pick, but the one guy, but the one team I can think of that I would actually say over the Young Bucks, I would say I could see them never going to WWE, and Brian actually picked it for me, or he named his pick, and I agreed with it. It's got to be the Briscoes. Them too. I don't see the Brisk, And here's my explanation on why I don't see the Briscoes ever going to WWE. It's not because they're too old. Far from it. They're still fairly young guys and got plenty left in the tank. But they have, their, they have the family business outside of wrestling. They're still, they're still chicken farmers. They still got the money from that. So, it's not a money thing. They're pretty set with, in terms of money. I mean, they're not like Bill Gates, uber billionaire rich or nothing, but I'm saying they're, pretty, they're more than well off because of what they make in the indies, what they make in Ring of Honor, and what they make with, with the family business. So it's, exactly. got, it's got nothing to do with money. So for that reason, that's why I'm saying I don't see the Briscoes ever going to WWE. And I think I'm kind another, of, I'm thinking I'm more so hoping that they don't. Another one? 
OVE. Yeah, I I don't see OVE ever going to WWE, but also, well, I think after the, everything with the Solomon Crow experience, I think that pretty much blacklisted Sammy Callahan, but then again, I, I was think... more referring to Jake and Dave Christ. Okay, so, alright, so we're leaving Callahan out of it, but yeah, yes. I don't, I don't see, uh, I don't see either of, I don't see those two guys going to WWE anytime soon. Now, what about a single wrestler that you don't see ever going to WWE? That, and I'm not saying about a guy who's gone there, left, and comes back. I'm talking about who's yet to ever set foot in WWE and that you think may never, ever, may never go there before his career's over. Jay Lethal. You know, the longer it goes on, I think you may be right that I think Jay Lethal is content where he is. And I don't think he had, he shows any signs of wanting to go to WWE. No. I mean, the closest he came to going to a more mainstream promotion, and I use that term loosely, was when he went to TNA. And we all saw how that ended up. Yeah, but he had one hell of a run in TNA. He had a hell of a run, but towards the end, he was miserable there. Well, yeah, wouldn't you be? Yeah, and I mean, they when the, the second that they canned him, it might as well have been a mercy killing. I mean, it might as it might as well have been a. I mean, it ended up being a blessing in disguise for him because look at, look where he's at now. Look what he's done since. Exactly. But yeah, I would agree that I don't see Jay Lethal ever going to um. To WWE. And. Another guy that I don't see ever going to WWE. I don't see Silas Young ever being WWE bound. I just don't see it. I think there's too much in. He's. I think he's too indie for WWE. I mean, if that makes any sense, I just don't. I don't see him. I don't. He's a great heel. I, don't get me wrong, but I just. If I'm if I'm a higher up in WWE, you got you have to think on the business side and think of the marketing value, and I don't think they're going to see that in Silas Young. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the last real man gimmick, while it works in Ring of Honor, it works in the indies, I don't think they're going to, I don't think WWE would see that as something they could work with. Agreed. I mean, there are plenty of other guys, I mean, another guy who I could I mean, most of the guys that I would think of that I don't see setting foot in WWE again have already been there. Christopher Daniels had a run, but that didn't work out. Kazarian had a run, and that didn't work. And while as great as PCO and his comeback has been, there's no way they're at his age that they would take a chance on him. But you know, um, look at yeah. After listening on the way home, I listened to the latest something to wrestle, and you know, I gotta say, February. Looking back as a wrestling fan, there's still one moment that, and they talked about it on this episode, that if I look back on treasured wrestle wrestling moments, this has February kind of holds a special spot in my heart as a wrestling fan because that was the that was the month where I saw Eddie Guerrero defeat Brock Lesnar and win the WWE title. Yes. And yeah, I know we've talked about that a bunch, but you know what? There's no moment in wrestling or few moments in wrestling that are sweeter than than that moment. So JP where were you when you when you watched that match? I was at home watching it on pay-per-view. Me, I was at a bar in the valley called Yankee Doodles. And we was watching it and the whole place was just going nuts and the Oh, sec- I believe it. And the second that you saw when the ref counted 3 and the bell rang, 
the whole place was going just ballistic, and you saw so many people doing Eddie's strut and saying and saying Viva La Raza, and even singing to the entrance music. You couldn't beat a moment like that. And listening to the backstory that Bruce Pritchard was talking about with Eddie, and just how how big that was for Eddie on a personal level, just after getting himself cleaned up, sobering up, and and just getting himself back back in it, back in it, and even he never thought he was a main event guy, but Vince did. Yeah. That reportedly, of all the guys on the Radicals, he looked at Eddie and said, this is the guy. He had the charisma. He had the, even though he wasn't the biggest guy, he, he kicked ass and delivered a match like he, like he was a damn giant. But also, the thing that was so, and Bruce Pritchard said this, and I thought it, this truly radiated about Eddie Guerrero, is that it had nothing to do with his ethnicity. He appealed to everybody. Didn't matter whether you were, didn't matter whether you were black, white, Japanese, Mexican. Didn't matter. He appealed to every, every, every race, every gender. You just, you couldn't help but love this guy. Absolutely. And the. The following, the following SmackDown when Heyman confronted him, making Eddie apologize, and Eddie follow, apologizing and said, "Oh, by the way, Paul, when I said I was sorry, I lied." <laughs> and saying, "Oh, the night, Father, what, what's my motto? I lie, I cheat, I steal." And then remembering an interview Eddie did saying, "We lie, we cheat, we steal, but at least we're honest about it." Yeah. I mean, I don't know how that came about, the lie, cheat, and steal, but it was just gold. Oh, God, yes. And, and of course, you had Eddie making lowriders cool again. Now, it just makes you wonder, as we're now 14 years later, imagine what would have been. You know, one of the greatest things I could that I could say for WrestleMania that that I got to see before Eddie had passed passed on is that I got to see him wrestle live, and I couldn't have been happier that the first match I ever saw Eddie Guerrero wrestle live was him and Rey Mysterio. I mean that. I mean. And I had never seen Rey Mysterio live either. So it kind of was a double standard. And that match, I kept my eyes on it the whole time because I didn't want to miss a damn thing. Yeah. But, but you know, that here's the thing that I didn't know. I was so pissed when JBL took the title from Eddie... But the backstory that I didn't know, that was his idea. Eddie wanted that. He was all about the business first. He didn't he didn't want to be he he wasn't the kind of guy that said, Oh, I gotta be the champ, let keep the belt on me as long as you can. He was all business. And when he saw JBL being like the heel and everything, he said, This He's like, this mother is a heat seeker. Let's get this belt on him. Because he knew that people were going to hate JBL so bad that they wanted to see him get his ass kicked no matter who you put in front of him. Exactly. And let me say that JBL was never my favorite heel. And a large chunk of it is I just couldn't shake the whole... I just couldn't shake APA off of him. I loved APA. I, I just, yeah, I just couldn't shake that off of JBL. I couldn't. But, I get that at that time, you needed a new top heel, because Brock was gone. 
and Goldberg had left, so you needed something different. And unfortunately, that was the best you could come up with on, sh on such short notice. But also that it was a testament. <laughs> the other thing that Pritchard had said about, about JBL was that Eddie made it work. Because that was how good he was. Agreed. I mean, some people thought when they paired Eddie up with China that that was going to bury him. He made it work. Mama Zita, you want some Latino heat? But yeah, I mean that was how that was how good Eddie Guerrero was, and there'll never be another talent as good. Nope. And of course, like, <laughs> the many different gags that he had done, like aux trying to auction to the crowd Kurt Angle's gold medals. He's like, I got one dollar, two dollar, oh, three dollars for the mamacita in the front. And of course, the infamous burrito incident with Big Show. Oh god. Montezuma. Ain't got nothing on a Guerrero. And uh, bringing out the septic, the, the sewage <laughs> truck. Which. Yeah, that, that was nasty. That was nasty. I'm sure it was not. I mean, obviously, there's no way it would have been the real... It was the real thing, but still. It was not something you wanted to picture. Yeah. And he just kept spraying Big Show, and I'm just like, oh, I think I'm gonna hurl. The only other one that made me sick like that was when the Spirit Squad and the McMahons got dumped on. Oh, God, yeah, I remember that. And, and of course, <laughs> a Triple H and HBK both going... Holy shit! Yeah, that brings new meaning to the term "holy shit." And then Triple H saying, "Oh, and in the case of in the case of Sean, it is holy shit." But you know, and but most definitely, bottom line, there will never be a talent ever like Eddie Guerrero. And heading into WrestleMania, of course, well, I, you know, um, I had this one, qu since every, every week with the show, I'm trying to come up with a new topic about WrestleMania. Actually, before we get to that one, JP, let's go, I mean, we're not going to go over the entire card for Elimination Chamber, but I think the major matches, I mean, we should at least give some kind of prediction on. I mean, you... Okay. So, the the WWE title match, I mean, so you're going... You're actually... Are you for sure picking Kofi Kingston? As much as I would love to, I do have to be a realist. I think he's going to be... I think it's going to be him and Daniel Bryan as the last two. But I think it's going to be... Um, I think it's going to be Daniel Bryan. I think right now, Daniel Bryan is too good at being hated to take the belt off of him right now. So, I will actually say Daniel Bryan retains. Now, of course, the big one is the first ever crowning of the women's tag champions. So, what's your who's your pick for that one? For that one... I'm gonna. Everybody's saying it's gonna be Sasha and Bailey. I think that's too safe an option to pick. That's why I'm not. I picking think them. it's gonna be Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Hey, this is a tough one. It's you know here's the ones that I feel like are too obvious to pick. Some are saying Nia and Tamina. I think that's too obvious. Some are saying Sasha and Bailey. Again, I think it's too obvious. I think they're two safe options to pick. Those two. So that's why I'm not picking either one of those. Now, I am actually... Here's where I'm going to actually go a little against the grain here. I'm going to pick the Riot Squad. 
I was thinking them too. I actually, I think that the Riot Squad is going to pull it off. But if I had to pick one in a close second, then that would be my... I would go with your pick of Mandy and Sonya. Because I think you need to have them win the belts and hold it for a bit. And then when they lose it, that's when they they will finally split up. Because eventually yeah. that will happen. Oh yeah, it'll happen just a matter of when. I just think Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville have too much potential to be kept together for too long. Yeah, and I I think Sonya is the better athlete. Oh, hands down. But she has she has the MMA background as well. It's the character it's in terms of character development that's the only thing that's lacking on her. But that's something that can be improved on. Exactly. The only two good things that came out of that final season are tough enough. Yeah, don't get me started on that one. <laughs> That's one show I'm I'm perfectly content if they never do another one. Yeah, you know they'll find a way to do another one. You had Steve Austin as the train as the head trainer. You can't beat that. You can't top that. Who who the hell could? Nope. <laughs> it's just impossible. I'm not, and I think we're both going to agree about Ruby Riot and Ver, Ruby Riot and Ronda that Ronda's walking away on that one. Yeah. As much as I hate to see Ruby Riot looking like cannon fodder for Ronda, which because I think there's mad potential in Ruby. Yeah, in the end, Ruby's going to tap out. Yeah. But um. Moving on to WrestleMania. So, I, I try to come up with a, with a, with a WrestleMania-related topic. And this week, the one I got, JP, I will let you go first on this one. What was the WrestleMania match that, that you saw that made you proud, to be, that tr- where you just felt you were truly proud to be a wrestling fan because of a moment like this one? Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper, WrestleMania 8. Interesting choice. What made you pick that, that was, one? That was the first WrestleMania I ever got to order on pay-per-view. It was me and my buddy. Ordered, got pizza, and we just enjoyed it. That, that's a good one. Um, you know, I thought I could have gone with the first WrestleMania I ever watched, which that would have circled all the way back to when they were on Coliseum Home Video, when pay-per-view still was a myth, or just in its infancy, and that would have been WrestleMania Five, Hogan versus Savage, the Mega Powers Explode. Yeah. But I'm not going to do that. I mean, that wasn't the match that where I saw it and thought, I love being a wrestling fan. I would, and I could have easily gone with the WrestleMania 21, like I was talking about Eddie and Ray, but I'm not going to do that either. The WrestleMania I'm talking about, where I saw it live, and I just thought... This is what being a wrestling fan is all about, is for a moment like this. Triple threat ladder match for the tag team titles. Edge and Christian, the Hardy Boys, and Bubba Ray and Devon, the Dudley Boys. WrestleMania 2000. Good choice. I just remembered watching it, and even though the seats were kind of behind where the Titan Tron would be, so that part kind of blew, but to see seeing Jeff Hardy climb that 20-footer with Bubba Ray Dudley on a table, and seeing the whole place went from dark to bright light because so many people were flashing the camera to see Jeff Hardy take, take the leap doing the swanton on Bubba. 
And you just, that was just one of those moments you live for. Oh, God, yes. But another one, but you know, when I did mention WrestleMania 21, there's another one where I felt like I had lived as a wrestling fan. And it, to me, I mean, it wasn't the greatest match, but it was just for the experience itself. Randy Orton versus The Undertaker. Because That was a damn good match. Because I had never seen The Undertaker live up until that point. Ever. Not as the American Badass and not as the Dead Man. That was the first moment for me. And they went full on with the lights going out. The druids with the torches. They went all out on that one. Oh, they did. And for a brief moment, I actually thought the streak was going to end the second he got laid out with the RKO. And I just remembered watching that thinking, I'm either going to see history be made or the streak live. And I was so happy with either, I would have been happy with either result. Yeah, really. But, you know, actually, there was a lot of moments that came out of twenty of 21 that stood out to me. It was when they brought out the Hall of Famers. And that year, you saw so many that I had grown up watching. Roddy Piper, Jimmy Hart, Paul Orndorff, the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov. And, of course, Hulk Hogan himself. Yes. That was just such a surreal moment to me that I was, my brother, my brother was misty-eyed watching that, and frankly, so would I. So was I seeing Hogan standing there, inducted at the Hall of Fame. I mean, you can't, you just can't beat a moment like that. But there's so many from Mania 21 that stood out, like of course Motorhead performing live. Which I was happy I was able to see that before Lemmy passed away. Yes. But also, Piper's Pit with Stone Cold Steve Austin. That has to be fun. Oh, that was just epic. And seeing Piper slap Austin, and then Austin saying, thanks for having me, and slaps him back. And all Piper could do was smile and say, I like you already. You want to talk about a, le- a legend that is that's gone that if the, that I would say that I missed. It's got to be Roddy Piper. Oh yeah. To this day, when I when I was on first doing the podcast and I se- I sent him a, a direct message saying that that when I wanted to find my voice. And I didn't want to hold back. I didn't want to pull any punches. I just wanted to be... go. I wanted to just go full throttle. There were many guys whose voice in wrestling were inspirations to me. Joey Styles was one. Jim Ross. But in terms of the overall personality of a guy and somebody who just never held back with anything, it had to be Roddy Piper. And I told him that. And he responded to me, saying, Keep it up, champ. There you go. He could have said anything to me, and I still would have considered that an honor. But to say, but to actually give me encouraging words like that, that just meant the world to me. And... It, it just, I mean, like I said, I, I, there were many guys, there are many legends we lost, and that's definitely one that I'd truly say I, I miss. Next to Dusty Rhodes. Which, by yeah. the way, thought, thoughts and prayers go out to the family of Pedro Morales. Yes, definitely. That was definitely a heartbreaking loss. But over, but before we wrap things up, JP, before I let you plug away, I was gonna say, what do, you, 
if you could looking out on paper at what we're looking at with the elimination chamber what kind of show you think we're going to get a good show with this one or you think it's mostly just going to be a filler pay-per-view before mania i think it's going to be filler yeah i just don't think this one's going to hold up a candle to what we got at the royal rumble definitely won't be as long as the royal rumble no thank god for that yeah but i don't i just don't think it's going to while it may deliver with the chamber matches, I don't think it's going to deliver anywhere close to what we got at Royal Rumble. No, definitely not. All right, so with that being said, we're going to wrap things up tonight, people. So, JP, whatever you got, plug away. Um, you can find me on the Twitter machine at JPMayor80. Tomorrow... You can find me in person, live at Pro Wrestling Magic, um, at the Phil Sheridan Building in uh, Roselle Park, New Jersey. All right. Well, follow me on Twitter at Prime 81 Also, we now have an the network now has an official handle on Instagram at Sean underscore Williams underscore podcast underscore network. I know that's a mouthful, but I had to fit the name in somehow. And that'll be that's the Instagram home for the, the attack and, of course, for Variety Bites. And speaking of Variety Bites, what I got going on this week, I'm going to be talking about the Joe Flacco trade to Denver. Going to talk about how the, the Lakers losing this week to the Hawks, which if you lose to the Hawks, you've got a big problem. I got a, a review of my own on Happy Death Day to You. Also, a story that I found interesting, which is a video game that the most highest selling video game sold at an auction. Okay, I'm quite curious. Well, you'll have to see on that one. But also, because Valentine's Day passed passed on, or passed by this week, and I brought this up on the group, so if you haven't commented on that, on chiming in yours, chime in your favorite and least favorite romance movie. doesn't have to be a comedy, or it can be a comedy, just whatever springs to mind. I've already had a couple... Shawshank Redemption. Classic movie, but not what we're talking about here. I said romance, not bromance. Hey, 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 hey. Bromance is still a good movie. Oh, it's the classic movie, but... But I'm going to talk... But those are a few things I gotta talk, I'm going to talk about this week. And, again, make sure that you guys check it out. Or check out the group, The Shark Attack as well as Variety Bites, both on Facebook. And, and like I said, I'm going to be doing this, I'll be doing the Variety Bites show tomorrow, so if you make sure you get your comment on the comment page. Make sure you, that you fill in um, what your picks are for that kind of movie. Um, and I'll even throw in a couple of my own on the show, to, on the show tomorrow. And, of course... This show, if you like the podcast, we're accepting donations. Don't have to, however much you put in, that's on you guys. And don't let JP warming up his vocal cords for the singing be all for nothing. Yes. Any donation, I will personally serenade you in song. But I promise you, he will not do anything by Chris by Chris Brown or R. Kelly. Nope. Talk about somebody's ass who should be locked up. Yeah, that's that's for the um, Sean Williams uh, podcast After Dark, which we'll have details on that at some point in the future. But, yeah, um, if that podcast ever does happen, you will hear me say words like "motherfucker." Yeah, among other things. True, but yeah, we'll. We'll be cursing on that one that so much that it'll give George George Carlin, God rest his soul, a run for the money. Well, 
like Samuel L. Jackson. Motherfucker this, motherfucker that. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger. Motherfucker. There we go. But in the meantime, people, you guys enjoyed President's Day weekend. He's J.P. Mayor. I'm Sean Williams. We're out. J.P., say goodnight. Goodnight, J.P. He was born perfect. And just like the great white shark, this guy has never had to evolve.